and for um, just the wisdom and revelation contained in your word and we're so thankful that you impart that to us we can understand things better we can be more successful in pursuing life so we thank you for that father we bless you for it and we praise you in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 um Mr. Gary just stand here for a second can can you stand up um Dr. Tammy and I will see what the Lord has to say to you praise God thank you Lord just stand behind her when she stands up <clears throat> thank you Jesus thank you Lord yeah come on out okay thank you Jesus well the Lord is the word one word he spoke to me to give you is preservation and the Lord is saying that he has preserved your life he's preserved your possessions he has preserved everything that you've entrusted to him says the Lord I preserve that for you I have preserved you through many difficulties many struggles that you've always sought me and you've always uh, tried to rely on me and get my wisdom and get my understanding everything that I have I've given to you to preserve life health family all of the things that you hold dear says the Lord and I have preserved your life and your mental condition I've preserved your health and and wealth and all things that uh, pertain to life and and of course to godliness I give freely to you says the Lord so there is nothing standing between me and you and prospering says the Lord I still give it freely I still have plans for you that I've ordained from the foundation of the earth and as you just sit and and trust me and draw from that wisdom that I've given you and draw from that spirit that I put in you says the Lord that everything that your heart's desire will come to you and come to you easily and the Lord is saying that I have many things reserved for you that if you have not even seen not tapped into and not heard of says the Lord for I have reserved some things that I might give them to you in due season to bring uh, glory to me and to bring uh, joy and gladness and health and wholeness to you says the spirit of the living God thank you Jesus now Lord I just bless her that that might go in and that might stay in that that word would not be stolen from her father that she would receive the fullness of it and I thank you for that Lord in Jesus name amen praise God amen all right sweetheart praise the Lord <clears throat> praise God amen amen and we don't have to worry about anything. God keeps up with everything that belongs to us, doesn't he? And he 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 uh he really perfects everything that concerns us. He'll take it and make it so much better uh so that we can get more enjoyment and we can really enjoy things the way God wants us to enjoy them without fear and without uh any kind of idea of uh, of reservation for it. So that brings us to our our sermon today, the bride is not taking reservations is that what we said or does it not making reservations so what are you having for what are you making for dinner reservations yeah yeah an old joke but anyway the bride does not make reservations <laughs> i know <laughs> that's an old joan rivers joke she tells it and she's tired of telling it you know <laughs> since yeah like my mother-in-law used to ask me what are you making for dinner and i tell her reservations so <laughs> you know one of them old ones but anywho 
And we were speaking about um, really giving the example of Job and how he unfortunately reserved some things for himself instead of you know giving freely to God and and we know that God has freely given of himself to us so he has every right to expect that in kind back from us as an offering and so he receives what we give him as an offering and my my feeling is that many times we receive God's best because he has nothing to give us but best there's no second best in God there's no damaged goods in God there's no anything what generally happens is our faith our lack of faith for God to do exactly as he says he'll do in his word kind of tends to take away from you know what we expect so your soul can rob you of the the thing coming to you exactly the way God wants to send it to you so we have to be careful about that that we don't let our faith waver and we don't uh, amend the prayer based on what we see in the natural or what we expect in the natural we have to let God uh, pour in the way he wants to pour in uh, I know sometimes you know I'll think about some things that I could do for God and then I'll get this fear inside and then I'll start to back from it and I had to train myself not to uh, let that be the final word you know you you have to do what Mary said let it be unto me according to your word because she was sure scared you got me and rightfully so there was a big mandate on her life but in God she was able to do it and that's what we have to remember God is the one who is is authoring everything but We do have to be careful not to receive fully from God and then give out impartial you know or give out second best and that is in our confession our prayers the way we treat others how we give to others or what we do for others uh, we can't withhold anything we can't hold anything back uh, from what we know in our hearts is is God's mandate and his best for us to give in all situations I know there are times when God will have me to uh, he'll say well I want you to do this for someone I want you to help them with this and you know if you if you're not careful you'll take a big gulp at what the bottom line is on helping people you know everybody's mind will do that to them they'll say the idea was real good but the the cost of it you know and so we have to look at the fact that God gives us freely and why would not he expect us to give the way he gives to us we can't withhold anything uh, for ourselves and we cannot uh, you know and then if you do something the devil will come and mess with you about it later you know hey, you shouldn't have done that because you're going to need that for this and they don't appreciate it that's a big thing that it'll do especially with people uh, because you know and I think to myself well maybe I don't look appreciative sometimes either you know but that has nothing to do with obeying God in the giving aspect of it you got me and so we have to be careful not to reserve anything for ourselves in fear that we won't re- that it somehow it will be bankrupted it'll take away from us it'll hurt us in some way if we if we give freely um you know we have to be 
courageous in our giving and understand that it will not hurt you to give exactly as God has placed it in your heart to give. You you shouldn't cheat yourself, your inner man, from the joy of freely serving God. And that's what happens to us. Uh, The Bible tells us we're to give as we purpose in our hearts. Because if you keep stealing from that you will get heart sick. And you will get discouraged. And you'll get stingy. And you won't have anything. It will take your joy away. There's such a a negative and a, 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 a poverty that it puts in your soul and your spirit. When you are fearful about being obedient to God and giving in the way uh, that he gave. I was uh, watching some video of the Christians in uh, Pakistan. Their homes have been burnt and all this kind of stuff. Of course you know you got people uh, writing your ministry all of a sudden wanting to raise money for them and that kind of stuff. Because there are going to be all kind of people wanting to cash in on other people's uh, misfortune. But those people had a choice as to whether they would publicly uh, obey Christ. You know he gave me his life should I be fearful of my own life in return. You see that's the balance for some people. And in some countries it's it's very very hard uh, for people to serve God. It's hard in this country it's just that we're in denial about a lot of it. You know in the body of Christ because we don't really pray. And we don't really pay attention a lot uh, to some of those things. Now I'm not talking about people who are uh, committed to prayer. But there is such a a deception uh, among God's people about the dangers when when, uh, the government starts to make laws that threaten the 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 sovereignty of God in and overseeing His church and His people, uh, you know, they want to take away your tax exempt status. You know, if you mention something political in the pulpit or something, as always, these are threats, folks, against God's sovereignty to work among His people, and so we have to be uh, on our watch at all times to uh, declare God's word and take authority over these spiritual forces that are are trying to stop the freedom of of expression of the gospel because the gospel really is not bound it's always free I don't care who starts accepting homosexuals in the pulpit the gospel's never bound you got me now they may convince some some preachers some weak preachers that want to keep up some kind of public image or something I don't know what would cause you to to be that stupid but you can't you can't invalidate God's word. My goodness, it's been here since God's been here. You can't kill God. You can't intimidate you, him. You can't knock him off the throne. And everybody's going to have to meet him someday. And so it's the church's job to prepare people to meet the Lord. You got me? And that's all our only job. We don't have to be concerned about... You know, if, uh, well, what is your view on? I don't have no view on it. My view is in the Bible. And I give you the chapter and verse. You look it up for yourself. And if you want to accept it, cool. If you don't, you know, shame on you. You know, I'll pray for you, whatever. But we have to uh, be mindful that we can't withhold that 
from the world. You can't withhold God's word of truth from the world and, and get intimidated by people and all that, that they say and so forth and so on and pervert and twist the word of God because somebody's eternal salvation, somebody's eternal faith, faith is hinging on what we say as believers. And we, we need to step up to the plate and declare God's word with boldness and confidence and whatever happens, happens. But, but you know, that's, that's God's job to, to come for us, but He'll come for you only if you're declaring His word. He's not going to come for you if you're a compromised person. And so we can't even reserve our lives to ourselves. You know, the Bible talks in Revelations about the overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, even until threat of death. You know, they didn't love their lives even unto death. And so the bride who does not uh, is not making reservations is not withholding even her own life from the Lord's hand. And so in Job, though, we saw what he withheld and we feel that he was fearful where his children were concerned excuse me and there's evidence that he was not probably a good enforcer of God's word with his family and that's your first obligation as parents to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord you know, to teach them God's ways uh, let them know that serving God is their first priority you don't have any other priority in life and God owns you you belong to him uh, and you know get in line not put up with any foolishness from them and put them under the Lord's discipline and so Job was doing something that looked a little uh, um, strange to anybody who understands covenant living with God. And that is his children were adult children and he was fearful that they had sinned and that he was making sacrifices for them without their consent or without their knowledge so it looks as though he had reserved the the control and authority over those children's lives to himself and and did not give it to the lord even to the degree that the when satan came before the throne of god to uh to he said he'd been walking uh, across the earth to and fro you know uh, looking for something you know looking for somebody to tempt or whatever and so god told him about his servant job and i think god brags on all of us hmm? i hope so i don't think job was any special case he's a man who loved God and so forth and so on and and so God said my servant Job can pass the test whenever the accuser of the brethren comes along he's accusing people that if a certain amount is withheld from us that we will not continue to serve God that's always the challenge always if you don't get what you want you're going to throw a little tantrum and quit serving God and walk away. And see if we don't accept that trouble comes to everybody. Amen. It comes to everybody. And you're not immune to it. The only thing you can be immune to is it won't take you down. It won't take you out. 
You got me? And so you will come out of it and you'll come out of it victorious. And, and that's what you're guaranteed. That's the overcoming part of that scripture. When Jesus says, cheer up. Now trouble's going to come to you. The devil's going to threaten you. But cheer up. I've overcome the world. You got me? This sickness is not unto death. Affliction will not come upon you a second time. Um, that's when you start grabbing those assurances. When the enemy's trying to take your health and take your peace and take everything else from you. And so you can cheer up. Because you, you've overcome the world. I can remember getting a, a, a you know a cutoff notice or something in the mail. And then I thought about it. So I paid that bill. You know, and you cheer up because you know this is the same thing we do with whenever trouble comes to us. That bill's been paid. Amen. They can't shut this off. This thing's paid for. They can't do that. It's paid for. I don't care if you don't know where the money's coming from, it's still paid for. If you say it's paid for, it's paid for. It ain't gonna be paid for until you say it is. So you decree and you declare you have the right to prophesy God's word over your situation. Just decree it's paid for when it will not be cut off in Jesus name so we have that assurance from him that that thing whatever it is that's come against us has been overcome already he's not trying to overcome it he's not trying to get you to overcome it he's already done it for you so all you have to do is take your position and stand and not waver and not move so anyway, the enemy, the Satan comes up and he's talking about, you know, Job and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and he answered the Lord in verse 9. He says, well, doesn't Job serve you for nothing? He said, haven't you made a hedge about him and his house and about all that he has on every side and blessed the work of his hands and his substance and increased his land? Hmm? He's done all of that. And see, Job's problem was he knew less about what God had done for him than the enemy did. And sometimes we can be so caught up in our day-to-day life. We don't remember and, and rehearse in our ears all the things that God has done for us. So the devil saw the hedge, but Job didn't. See? So Job was making offerings and sacrifices trying to build a hedge when God had one around him already. So Job's offerings really were made in unbelief that the hedge was there. And fear that there was no hedge around his family. Some things we don't know about God. Some things we have not had revelation on in God. Some things we have not experienced in God. And we need to get them in us so that we can be stronger against the wiles of the enemy. And I believe Job in his fear picked up uh, messages from the haters. Amen. Assigned against his life. Mm-hmm. And he began to meditate on the fact that, well, you know, God's, you know, your kids are unprotected. And God's going to kill them. They'll curse God and he's going to kill them and they're going to die if you don't keep doing these offerings and sacrifices. That's what he heard because that's what he acted on. You got me? And so we can be full of uh, fear and unbelief because we have reserved a certain amount of what God's given us under our control and not released it to God's control. 
Now you know that at the end of this, Job was totally 100% straight. He got me? Because God, even in the conversations he had with his detractors, you know, sanctified haters, people working for the devil come up with all kind of advice telling them you know there's sin in your life and you know you don't know this and you don't know that and all this kind of stuff and you know be careful about people who don't come to you declaring victory they want to go back in your past you know just because you laying down on the couch don't mean you need a psychiatrist you got me you just laying down See, they caught Job laying down and thought that he needed some therapy, but they were wrong. So, do all that kind of stuff to people. But they will come to you. Religious people always want to come to you with a bunch of answers. They want to come back and tell you how this happened and what was wrong and who didn't do right and who don't have faith and who spoke wrong and all this kind of stuff. Don't you know that that's that's why we have the blood of Jesus? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness and and has paid for our sins. Pays for all your wrong speaking. So once you know you're speaking wrong and you repent and, and correct that and get God's help to correct it. It's a new day. He's not going to act on everything uh, we say in error uh, just because he's waiting to get something on us to kill somebody we love you know that's just wrong it's just not right we have so much mercy in God his mercy endures forever it just really really does and so we have to understand that God's mercy is so much greater than any fault that we might have in fact it it's there because he knows we're going to mess up and we'll make mistakes so he doesn't hold us to our mistakes all the time. He's very forgiving and very loving. He just wants us to learn. Got me? It's like, you know, if you, you want to throw your kid out, you know, just because they don't color within the lines. They're only six years old. You don't put your kid out the house because they, they don't know how to color inside the lines. You teach them. And that's what God is doing with us. He's teaching us these things. And so uh, Job comes under this challenge then it's you know the enemy is, is allowed to put forth his hand and touch everything that Job has possesses but not his life. And so it's always the earthly things that will be at risk so to speak that we think are at risk. God will never put you at risk in an eternal fashion. And so the challenge becomes how much do you love the earth's goods? How much do you love material things? How much do you love things that that you can't take to heaven with you? You know, sometimes people want to want to have a good career and want to move forward and all these kinds of things. Well, you can't, you know, it, they don't have no people with degrees in heaven. I mean, if they are, they're burned up by the time you get you get in front of all that glory and that kind of stuff means absolutely nothing. They don't have any uh, big three, a little four, and you know, in between nothing up there. It's it's all glory in God. So all that thing means nothing. Compared to what God wants to do on the inside of us when we can come out of these things because we've endured. You know, so your endurance test may be different from mine, but they are designed to perfect us. They're all designed to do the same thing is to put that new revelation of wisdom and understanding of God in us in a new way. Because He, that is His. 
his quest for all of us is that we be conformed to the image of Christ. That's all that's important to God. Uh, he'll bless you, make your life happy and, and, and peaceful and, and contented along the way. But he wants people that conform. See that's where where some some people lose sight of what's important. That's how some of some of our greatest leaders and ministers get caught up in nonsense because they get they get to eyeballing the material. That that becomes so important to them. You know what what the press says about you. And and what the the people say about you. Your so-called reputation. Well if you have anything commendable it's because God gave you that name. He made you who you are. It's it's his grace that allows you uh, to come up from where you started out. And to attain something. And so because God has placed that on you don't think it's your own doing. It's not your own anything. It's not your own. It doesn't belong to you. The best thing you can do when God crowns you is take the crown off and bow your your face before the floor and, and thank him for it. You got me? And he's not building people up so that they can get bigger than he is. He's building people up so because he wants to keep his covenant. He's got a covenant to make us uh, people of stature in the earth. And so in verse 11, verse 10, the, the enemy says, you know, you made a hedge about him, everything. Then he says put forth your hand and touch all that he has and he'll curse you to your face. So Job's wife even picked up on the hater. You know she turned into a hater herself in a way because she repeats exactly what the enemy says here. Curse God and die. And so the Lord said to Satan he says all that he has is in your power. Of course that's true because Satan's a God of this world. In other words God says I'm taking the hedge down except for everything uh, but, but his life. So he was not allowed to touch Job's life. And so he says... Um, all of these things happened you know the great calamity that came into Job's life and the people that came to visit him and, and how Job began to to uh, respond to these people in his own wisdom. See Job's dilemma was he was, he was lacking in understanding God. He's very lacking in that. But one of the things that these challenges did for him is it began to pull from him knowledge that he had that was very, uh, some of it was very concrete, but it did expose many of the things that, that Job did not have going for him. And so if we can look at that, you know, in balance and see that there were some things that Job understood about God, but some things were still mysteries to him and he began to speak from his his own font of wisdom in response to these men who were really challenging him uh, in what he did now my my take on this is that it appears that Job was some type of a minister or a priest because it looks as though he uh, made sacrifices to God and not just for himself but he made them on behalf of other people he made them on behalf of other people. And so when, when that's something that's in your life, uh, that's something that's very, very important to stay connected to God in. 
is your 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 role and <clears throat> that becomes very important when that's threatened because that's part of the threat the part of the threat is that the enemy wants to remove you from your calling and from your your role and your position in God's kingdom whatever that role is I don't care what you do uh, we have a tendency as people to look at some things as being more important than other things but everything that you do uh, in God's name is very very important to him so if you're the person that comes in early and puts the sign out that's important to God that's as important as the preacher and you know the we always make the joke sometimes I know I do I say well they can't have a meeting until a preacher gets there well we got videos and stuff now so you know that's only partially true but we all have to continue with whatever uh, responsibility God has given us to undertake in the earth and so part of the enemy's plan is to disconnect us from the source of our blessing on the earth part of that was dis, dis, um, disconnecting Job from his job as priest trying to disconnect him from that because that was where he met with God that was where he got revelation and if you look at the uh, all of the chapters of Job it appears that he laid his ministry down while he was afflicted and that's a no-no for any preacher now you might have to scale back or something like that but you're to keep your connection with God and you're to keep a certain level of spiritual um, uh, a spiritual life flowing through the inside of you I remember when when my husband passed away I, I took about a month to just to get my bearings in God you know because I my spirit had just been kind of uh, worn down from a lot of things that had to do with his illness and and then the pressures but there was somebody who was there to take my place in my absence you know we're not robots we're people we're supernaturally empowered by God but you got to maintain a certain level of spiritual strength and so it was my job while I, I was I was not off off having a vacation but off uh, with God uh, building myself back up spiritually to the point where I felt I could take on responsibility of other people's stuff you know yeah you know sometimes you know people <laughs> won't speak to me I say you know I could slap you <laughs> do you know where I've been for the last 30 days you can come up to me and tell me you mad because somebody didn't speak to you when you came in the building you got me but that's people you see and so you have to be in a place where you don't slap them when they come up to you with you I mean you got you be built up spiritually so you don't go off on somebody with their minutia yes. <laughs> one of the things that 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 time did for me was it helped me to put things in perspective where you know things that really were petty just really turned me off you know whereas before I had a tolerance for a little bit of nonsense but it really offended me greatly to see people you you understand what I'm saying you just your Christianity somehow really comes to the forefront 
in affliction if you spend that time with God you start to really understand you know what this is really a waste of time but we're not going to go there anymore and my patience with it is really gone now so just don't come to me with that and so we have to understand that there is a purpose of perfection and maturation that comes in these times where we need God to build us back up because we have suffered loss got me he's got to replace that with something of himself something you never had before and so in those times you you have to understand that God wants you to continue but he understands you have to continue at a certain level as a representative for him Uh, in Israel they were allowed 40 days to mourn the loss of of loved ones that they lost so uh, you know you have to respect that you have to respect that people uh, need time to get ministered to Uh, so it's you know and then just keep stay with God just stay under the Lord you know stay where God can minister to you and help you and that kind of thing run to him not from him you know now I wasn't in the atmosphere where I had to to preach but I was in the atmosphere of the anointing of God in the meeting so that I could get ministered to you got me and so we have to do those things folks we really really have to do those things sometimes and understand what they're for and get what you need from God but there does come a time when God calls you back into service because you're a servant and he he holds you up and he helps you in all these things so when when uh, the enemy put forth his hand he really stripped Job of everything and so the love of God that, that God had placed in Job's life would enable Job to continue to stay open to God's ministry to him there's a trust factor there that has to be established and not violated if, if God did not know Job would come out in the end if there was not enough trust in Job toward God for his own life Job would never have endured he would have cursed God and died right on his deathbed you got me but God knew what was inside of Job and he knew that Job would come out on the other side God knows that about everybody so nothing that comes upon us is meant to take us under that's the one thing you've got to understand I can remember saying that many times I said well God I know that you you wouldn't have let love my husband to come home to be with you if you didn't think I would make it through this I said so I'm believing that you're going to get me through this so I just my my thought was seeing myself coming through and coming out on the other side of it you got me and you can't you can't keep yourself in the process you got to see yourself at the end of it if you don't see that uh, you're missing God's involvement in it he would always show you uh, the latter end of your trouble that you're coming out of it and we know that God Job came to that point when he uh, uh, was challenged by one of his, his friends and he made the statement I know my redeemer liveth and in my flesh I shall see God you got me so Job knew enough about his relationship 
with God to know that he was going to come out of it that he was going to come out of it uh, better than before he wasn't sure how but he knew that he served a living God who knew everything about him at all times and that's what we need to keep in mind in any situation that we serve a living God who has planned your deliverance already he knows exactly when you will be delivered he's not delaying it to make you feel better he's not shortchanging you of anything he's not cheating you out of anything so if if he's you see that God is not withholding from you we should not be reserving anything and withholding anything from him we should be able to freely give everything to God and really that was all God wanted from Job was that he would trust him with everything that was dear to him because you see that withholding opens you up to the enemy's forces in that thing that you're withholding you got me so the bible says if you try to 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 keep what you think you have you'll lose that you got me if you give your life if you lose your life you'll find it if you try to keep it you'll even lose that what you think you have so you can't withhold and reserve anything from God's hand in fact when Job's wife told him to curse God and die he said you talk like a, a heathen he said you think we can only receive good you can uh, mean like God is a big party yeah, really that was the essence of what he said he said we should be able to receive both blessings and testings from the hand of God you got me because he is perfecting us he's not just giving us stuff so we can have a party we've had the party but now it's time to get serious in our relationship with the Lord and so Job uh, goes through this difficulty and and God then is able to bring him out and to help him and to deliver him from this bed of affliction so the chastening of the Lord really is the discipline of God when the enemy says put forth your hand uh, that that chastening is what happens now the enemy gets involved but the hand of God is there to discipline us it's not there to harm us or to take us under but it's there to discipline us and bring us back to a fullness of understanding how much he loves him the bible says whom he loves he chastens amen and scourges every son that he receives amen it's in hebrews 12 verse 6 why don't you turn there for just a minute because it's very important that we understand that in our desire to possess and get the promises and all that kind of stuff that we're not perfect in our desire for those things that we need discipline we need chastening or the same things that we want to bless our lives will eventually ruin our lives is it possible for you to not fidget so much my friend are you comfortable why don't you go walking because that's very distracting on the front row I'm very sorry to tell you that but all right so just go and walk it off and maybe sit toward the back then praise God so then in Hebrews 12 verse 6 for whom the Lord loves he chastens and scourges every son that he receives if you endure chastening then God's dealing with you as a son if you endure it in other words if you just jump up and leave the minute things get tough you got me you're not really enduring it he says if you endure it 
he's treating you dealing with you as a son and and he's making himself your father through the discipline Mm -hmm. now we see it now in modern society we see a lot of uh, young women who have children without the benefit of having a father uh, and and they don't come to a good end many times you know let's face it a lot of problems that that children have are the result of lack of discipline and and it is generally the father who enforces discipline in the household you got me because the mother really can't do it all it's never been true that you can be both mother and father kind of wears people out and then after a while you say man I wish I had done something different here because these kids are getting away from me that's why God has two parents because they're both needed in the parenting not just in the making of the child but in the raising and the nurturing and the parenting you can't let the can't let the father just be invisible and silent the kid needs that and so he says but if you are not with if you're without chastening if you can't handle the discipline of God says whereof we are all partakers then you're bastards and not sons you're not legitimate heirs which means now one of the uh, 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 curses we study very early in in our work was the the bastard curse, which you'll find on the uh, prophecy of Ishmael. The sons of Ishmael all have that, and the Bible says they are wild men, and their hand is against every man. So that curse brings with it the element that a person is not legitimate they don't have anything coming and these people tend to feel they have to fight everybody and everything for any morsel or scrap of anything that they have and so that is a true spiritual assignment against the lives of certain people that's why many times they wind up in prison because they're not disciplined that's why the schools are out of control now because of this curse that that brings with it a lack of discipline chastening and the love that comes when a child is chastened by a loving parent they feel unloved and they feel disinherited because there's nobody taking time to guide them in a certain direction that's what chastening does it it gets you goads you a little bit off of the rebellion onto submission humility and obedience and it, it's sad to see sometimes in people that you know they only go so far with God and then they gotta drop out and, and rebel because they just don't feel loved when somebody brings discipline into their life because they're not used to it and so we we have to understand the chastening of God and his chastening love that comes to us to bring us into the full stature of who he called us to be. See there's a reward at the end of it. Because it brings you into a higher place in God. Then he can bless you with certain things. Because you're responsible to govern them properly. Your heart's pure. If you, if you learn how to forgive instantly. You won't be a grudge holder. And you'll be able to minister to people. 
You know, if, if if preachers were were grudge holders, we wouldn't stay anointed for for very long. You know, the minute somebody rubs you the wrong way, that anointing will lift, and you flying off at them. So God has to discipline us and chasten us to the point where we know how to instantly forgive and not look at somebody and remember the last mean thing they said or the last or try to avoid them. Pretty soon, you'll just back yourself into a corner where you don't want to be around people at all. Much of the problem we have with homelessness has to do with uh, personal relationships and how people uh, master those relationships. And you'll find that when people get reclusive and don't want to be around anybody, it's because of unforgiveness. It's because of some bitterness. It's because they don't know how to let things go so that they can have healthy interactions with people they're always thinking they want you know they're after me they don't love me there's there's always some darkness somewhere inside of them and so it's easier for them to just live under a bridge or something and and get their food out of a dumpster than to try and isn't that sad though see the tools that God freely gives to his people are so needed in the world because this is the problem with most relationships that people don't know how to love and how to forgive and how to to build relationships they're very very quick to disconnect if they don't get what they want because they don't have the reserve of God's love working in them and Christians need to give more freely there's more of a demand on us because we're the storehouse of God's love down here in the earth and if we don't put it across to somebody and spread that let the Holy Spirit spread it to other people then the world won't get the benefit of the love of God that serves as an example to people it's giving and forgiving you know uh, you know I can remember uh, I was doing something for my husband and, and uh, there was a young girl she had just got married and she said oh you're spoiling him and I said is that what you call it See, she's afraid to give. And my giving convicted her. It passed judgment on her reservations. You got me? So when you spread the love of God out, it has an effect on people. They either have to look at it and want it, or they have to fight it and try to reject it and speak against it. Got me? And you need to know a devil when you hear one, too. And not let them have the last word. And not be ashamed that you show love to your husband. I want to say if I don't show it to him who am I going to show it to? You know. <laughs> you crazy. So you you just have to understand what's going to happen when you freely give the way God you know tells us to. You, you'll be set apart. You'll be persecuted. And people who see it. You'll pass judgment on them just by doing what you do. You don't even have to say anything to them. All you have to do is do you. And God will be there uh, for your actions much more than your words. It's what you do as a witness. It's not so much what you say. So God's love though disciplines us to bring us into a reality of who we are. And so God had listened to Job for what we say 37 chapters flipping off at his friends and 
running their mouths and so forth and so on and uh, you know it's, you know they're talking their own wisdom and all this stuff and talking about what God will do here what God will do there nobody's talked to God about it nobody's heard from God all this conversation has been just a bunch of uh, striving men striving against one another with words and so Job's priesthood is taking a nosedive because many times when preachers get in trouble or ministers or priests get in trouble uh, that's when people want to tell them you know they all of a sudden people want to give you advice you know want to come to you when you're down they everybody calls you and tells you they have a word from the Lord for you so forth and so on so God's love is chastening Job because there's a chastening aspect that needs to be done here there's a discipline that needs to come into his life I know there have been times in my life where God's been uh, helping me with different things and, and trying to show me different things. And, and then it will come uh, a place where I can't maneuver out of it. You know where you're just kind of stuck here now so you've got to receive this and you've got to have this so that I can get you to a place where I want you to be. And so when, when that comes in uh, God then is, is helping you and disciplining you. You know sometimes you think well uh, I've been doing this when is this going to stop you know I got, I've been stuck in this zone for, and it continues because you haven't endured to the point where you've let go of your desire to get free of the, of the chastening of the Lord you have to get to the point where you're sick and tired of it you're sick and tired of it you, you're sick of being sick and tired of it you dislike it it doesn't bother you anymore and you're glad for it so there's about 18 stages you go through <laughs> and then you realize that's going to be the way your life goes for the rest of your life you know suppose this is as good as it gets what are you going to do huh? what are you going to do and so we have to accept these things we have to understand these things uh, will come to us and they will happen for us but then we have to understand God's love and his greatness as well and his greatness is always greater than our chastening you got me you've got to see that that way you can't see yourself as somebody who God is somehow singled out and you can't have what you want out of life nothing works for you so when you start getting like that you have totally flipped over and you need some help because that's never true about God there's so much abundance that he's given us and it's up to you to learn his way so that you can tap into your share of it and and live the life that you you feel you want in God and so in in uh, Job chapter 38 um, I kind of got an updated updated translation I would I'm going to read from because this is where God finally confronts Job he talks about <clears throat> Uh, uh, talking to Job out of the whirlwind and, and uh, you know God talks about his greatness and his power and his majesty and all of these things and when you start to look at the greatness of God that's when you start to put yourself in perspective 
Because all that time Job was, I'm a priest, I've got this, I've got that, I've got to take care of this, I've got to take care of that. He was in character, you know what I'm saying? And so sometimes you have to be busted down out of character some in order to see where God really is and appreciate um, the things of God. So and in Job 38, this is from the message translation. It is really a modern translation. And now finally God answered Job from the eye of a violent storm. And he said, why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? Now this is how you talk to somebody who's laying on his quote unquote deathbed. Uh, A couple of physicians that have written on this believe that Job had leprosy actually you got me and so he was uh, you know just totally cut off from people because it's a highly contagious type of disease and so he says why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about he says pull yourself together Job stand up on your feet stand tall I have some questions for you and I want some straight answers. It says where were you when I created the earth? Tell me since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Well certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone while the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise? And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? That was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it. A strong playpen so it couldn't run loose. And said stay here this is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. And have you ever ordered morning to get up and told the dawn get to work? So you could seize earth like a blanket and shake out the wicked like cockroaches? As the sun brings everything to light, brings out all the colors and shapes, the cover of darkness is snatched from the wicked and they're caught in the very act. Have you ever gotten to the true bottom of things, explored the labyrinth of caves of of deep ocean? Do you know the first thing about death? Do you have one clue regarding death's dark mysteries? And do you have any idea how large this earth is? Speak up if you have an answer. <laughs> have even the beginning of an answer. Do you know where light comes from and where darkness lives? So you can take them by the hand and lead them home when they get lost? Well of course you, you know that. You've known them all your life. Grown up in the same neighborhood with them. Starting in verse 22. Have you ever traveled where snow is made? Seen the vault where hail is stockpiled? The arsenal of hail and snow that I keep in readiness for times of trouble and battle and war. Can you find your way to where lightning is launched? Or to the place from which the wind blows? Do you suppose... Um, do you suppose carves canyons for the downpours of rain and charts the, the route of thunderstorms that bring water to unvisited fields, deserts no one ever lays eyes on, drenching the useless wasteland so they're carpeted with wildflowers and grass? And who do you think is the father of rain and dew, the mother of ice and frost? You don't for a minute imagine these marvels of weather just happen, do you? 
starting in verse 31 can you catch the eye of beautiful Pleiades sisters or distract Orion from his hunt can you get Venus to look your way or get the great bear and her cubs to come out and play do you know the first thing about the sky's constellations and how they affect things on earth verse 34 can you get attention get the attention of the clouds and commission a shower of rain can you take charge of the lightning bolts and have them report to you for orders 36 who do you think gave weather wisdom weather wisdom to the ibis and storm savvy to the rooster does anyone know enough to number all the clouds or tip over the rain barrels of heaven when the earth is cracked and dry the ground baked hard as a brick can you teach the lioness to stalk her prey and satisfy the appetite of her cubs as they crouch in their den waiting hungrily in their cave and who sets out food for the ravens when their young cry to God fluttering about because they have no food verse uh, is this 39 we're going to now uh, okay 39 do you know the month when mountain goats give birth have you ever watched a doe bear her fawn do you know how many months she is pregnant do you know the season of her delivery where she crouches down and drops her offspring her young ones flourish and are soon on their way they leave and don't come back who do you think set the wild donkey free open the corral gates and let him go I gave him the whole wilderness to roam in the rolling plains and wide open places he laughs at his city cousins who are harnessed and harried he's oblivious to the cries of teamsters he gazes freely through the hills nibbling anything that's green will the wild buffalo condescend to serve you volunteer to spend the night in your barn can you imagine hitching your plow to a buffalo and getting him to till your fields he's hugely strong yes but could you trust him would you dare turn the job over to him you won't for a minute depend on him would you to do what you said when you said it the ostrich flaps her wings uh, futilely all those beautiful feathers but useless she lays her eggs on the hard ground leaves them there in the dirt exposed to the weather not caring that they might get stepped on or cracked or trampled by some wild animal she's negligent with her young as if they weren't her <coughs> even hers she cares nothing about anything she wasn't created very smart that's for sure wasn't given her share of good sense but when she runs oh how she runs laughing leaving horse and rider in the dust are you the one who gave the the horse's prowess and adorned him with a shimmering mane did you create him to prance proudly and strike terror with his royal snorts he paws the ground fiercely eager and spirited then charges into the fray he laughs at danger fearless doesn't shy away from the sword the banging and clanging of the quiver and lance don't faze him he quivers with excitement and at the trumpet blast races off at a gallop at the sound of it trump of the trumpet he neighs mightily smelling the excitement of battle from a long way off catching the rolling thunder of the war cries was it through your know-how that the hawk learned to fly soaring effortlessly on thermal updrafts did you command the eagle's flight and teach her to build her nest in the heights perfectly at home on the high cliff face invulnerable on pinnacle and crag from her perch she searches for prey spies at it at a great distance her young gorge themselves on carrion wherever there's a roadkill you see her circling and Job answers then and 
God oh I'm sorry and God confronted Job directly verse 1 now what do you have to say for yourself are you going to haul me the mighty one into court and press charges Job answered I'm speechless in awe words fail me I should never have opened my mouth I've talked way too much way too much I'm ready to shut up now and listen See, that's the chastening of the Lord. You hear him. He doesn't have to hear you. Our complaining, our whining, our this and our that. You know, it's it's time now to hear from God. God addressed Job next from the eye of the storm. And this is what he said. He says, I have some more questions for you. And I want straight answers. Do you presume to tell me what I'm doing wrong? Are you calling me a sinner so you can be a saint? Do you have an arm like my arm? Can you shout shout in thunder the way I can? Go ahead, show me your stuff. Let's see what you're made of, what you can do. Unleash your outrage. Target the arrogant and lay them flat. Target the arrogant and bring them to their knees. Stop the wicked in their tracks. Make mincemeat of them. Dig a mass grave and dump them in it. Faceless corpses in an unmarked grave. I'll gladly step aside and hand things over to you. You can surely save yourself with no help from me. Look at the land beast, Behemoth. I created him as well as you. Grazing on grass, docile as a cow. Just look at the strength of his back, the powerful muscles of his belly. His tail swells like a his tail sways like a cedar in the wind. His huge legs are like beech trees. His skeleton is made of steel. Every bone in his body is hard steel. Most magnificent of all my creatures, but I still lead him around like a lamb. The grass-covered hills serve him meals while field mice frolic in his shadow. He takes afternoon naps under shade trees, cools himself in the reedy swamps, lazily cool in leafy shadows as the breeze moves through the willows. And when the river rages, he doesn't budge. Solid and unperturbed even when the, the Jordan goes wild. But you never want him for a pet. You'd never be able to housebreak him. Or can you pull the sea beast, Leviathan, with a fly rod? Stuff him in your creel. Can you lasso him with a rope or snag him with an anchor? Will he beg you over and over for mercy or flatter you with flowery speech? Will he apply for a job with you to run errands and serve you the rest of your life? Will you play with him as if he were a pet goldfish? Will you make him the mascot of the neighborhood children? Will you put him on display in the market and have shoppers haggle over the price? Could you shoot him full of arrows like a pincushion or drive harpoons into his huge head? If you so much as lay a hand on him, you won't live to tell the story. What hope would there would you have with such a creature? Why one look at him would, would do you in if you can't hold your your own against his glowering visage? how then would you expect to stand up to me who could confront me and get by with it I'm in charge of all this I run this universe but I have more to say about Leviathan the sea beast his enormous bulk his beautiful shape who would even dream of piercing that tough skin or putting those jaws into bit and bridle and who would dare knock at the door of his mouth filled with row upon row of fierce teeth his pride is invincible nothing can make a dent in that pride nothing can get through that proud skin impervious to weapons and weather the thick 
richest and toughest of hides impenetrable he snorts and the world lights up with fire he blinks and the dawn breaks comets pour out of his mouth fireworks arc and branch smoke erupts from his nostrils like steam from a boiling pot he blows and fire blazes flames of fire stream from his mouth all muscle is he sheer and seamless muscle to meet him is to dance with death sinewy and lithe he's not there's not a soft spot on his entire body as tough inside as out rock hard and invulnerable angels run for cover when he surfaces cowering before his tail thrashing turbulence javelins bounce harmlessly off his hide harpoons ricochet wildly iron bars are so much straw to him bronze weapons beneath notice arrows don't even make him blink bullets make no more impression than raindrops a battle axe is nothing but a splinter of kindling he treats a brandished harpoon as a joke his belly is armor plated inexorable unstoppable as a bar he rolls deep he rolls deep ocean the way you'd boil water he whips the sea like you whip an egg into batter with a luminous tail stretching out behind him you might think ocean had grown a gray beard there's nothing on the earth quite like him not an ounce of fear in that creature he surveys all the high and mighty king of the ocean king of the deep Job answered God I am convinced you can do anything and everything nothing and no one can upset your plans you ask who is this muddying the water ignorantly confusing the issue second guessing my purposes I admit it I am the one I babbled on about things far beyond me made small talk about wonders way over my head you told me listen and let me do the talking let me ask the questions you give the answers I admit I once lived by rumors of you you got it you're living off wrong revelation that's what God wants to give you a first hand revelation of who he really is not your mother's religion not your daddy's not your neighbors not what people have told you not what the saints expect not what the press and the media want you to say but we need a revelation he said now I have it all first hand from my own eyes and ears I'm sorry forgive me I'll never do that again I promise I'll never again live on crusts of hearsay and crumbs of rumor you live out of the word of God the Bible says man does not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God if nothing else you get what you get from him you get it confirmed you live out of that that Bible you live out of of good revelation that you've heard that works so it says after God had finished addressing Job he turned to Eliphaz the Temanite and said I've had it with you and your two friends I'm fed up you haven't been honest either with me or about me not the way my friend Job has so here's what you must do take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my friend Job covenant with God that's what you need so you see Job is a priest this isn't new this is what he'd been all along he just laid his work down because he was babbling off like he said talking about things living off crumbs I didn't really know you now I know you he says my Job friend Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer because he's repented he will ask me not to treat you as you deserve for talking nonsense about me and for not being honest with me as he as he has and so they did it after Job interceded for his friend, friends God restored his fortune and doubled it all 
his brothers and sisters and friends came to his house and celebrated. And they told how sorry they were and consoled him for all the trouble that he had had. Each of them brought generous housewarming gifts. And God blessed Job's later life even more than his earlier see this is true see when you're in difficulty and you all you can feel is loss and you can feel what's wrong you don't see it getting better at the latter than it did before but he actually does it because the bible says he did it and he also had seven sons and three daughters and he talks about the name of them and so forth and so on and he lived on another 140 years leaving to see his children so God started him all over again he just started his life all over again it's almost like he didn't really have a life before then kind of like we are when we're born again everything that we have before we know God is like filthy rags the Bible says it counted all dung like Paul says so don't ever think God's trying to deprive you He's trying to bring you into something better. Because I think when we're in a a place where we don't have what we expect and we don't have what we think we want. We have a tendency to blame God just as Job and his detractors did. Why? Because we don't know him. If you blame him it's because you don't know him. If you're angry at him it's because you don't know him. You need to get a first hand up, up close revelation. Not something you borrowed. Not like Job says I've been living off crumbs. I thought I was knew you and I didn't know nothing about you. And so he, he's not trying to deprive us. So we don't need to try and reserve something for ourselves. Or try to protect what we think we have. Because you'll lose it. You'll lose it for sure. And so God wants our latter days to be better than, than any stopping point where the enemy has come in and tried to steal us. And so uh, the one thing we can't overlook is the sacrificial aspect of God's love. There are going to be things you have to leave behind folks. You can't have the world, the flesh and the devil and God too. You're going to have to choose God and God alone. In Mark 10 the uh, disciples were telling Jesus oh Lord we've left all to serve you. And, and Jesus reiterated. He said nobody's left everything that I don't give them back. You don't tell me what you do for me. You're not doing anything. You're letting it go because I'm giving you something much better. And I'm increasing you in your latter end. So it's not like God's never taking from us folks. It's never we don't need to withhold from him. Or reserve something for ourselves so we don't give everything. But we need to trust and get an understanding. It's in those those times when we reach out and trusting him. And just endure the hardness. Endure the difficulty. That we'll really find out who God is. Until you, you experience that you won't know him. You, you won't know him the way he wants you to know him. But he wants us to experience these things so that he can bring us up into maturity. Praise God. Well Father we thank you for your word and for understanding. That we are not making reservations. We're just not doing it. We're not doing it. And we're not withholding anything from you. Because of your great goodness toward us. We can give you freely all things. And we thank you Lord. For giving us understanding, wisdom and knowledge. And a first hand knowledge of who you are. And we thank you for that Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer come on up I'll pray for you.